Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. Riley and I separately came up with articles about how much the FBI sucks, which is pretty funny, if you ask me, because the FBI just sucks that bad. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to talk about, (laughs) so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about how horrible the FBI really is, because, you know, they've raided this place, broke broke through your windows, and... Flew drones in your house, and we all know they're terrible. Yep. And that wasn't even just the FBI. That was at least, what, like 10 other government alphabet agencies? Yeah. The post office, the IRS. It's kind of weird that the post office would come. Yeah, I, yeah, still I don't know what that was about. I still haven't figured out what that was about, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There was like one person, the postal inspector here from the post office, but still really, really weird. Um, it was like 60-something agents, but it, but it was all directed by the FBI. It was yeah. the FBI's project. The others came along to like support and also do investigations or whatever. All for a man who's still out of prison. Yep, because <laughs> he's so dangerous. Yeah. Hasn't uh, caused any danger to come to anyone while out of prison. I wonder if we could, not to get too off topic, but I wonder if there's a way to figure out how much that cost taxpayers. Oh, uh, that for would be like really all of those people to come here and just harass peaceful people. Yeah, and that would break be really stuff. that would be really interesting to find out because you know I would love to see how much taxpayers were forced to pay for such a raid. I, I'm really interested in that too. I, I have no clue if there is a way, but I don't think it's really that off topic because we're going to talk tonight about a story about how qualified immunity helps FBI agents do whatever they want, just like other cops, because mm-hmm. all they are are unelected government cops federal yeah. government cops they're just like super cops yeah basically yeah well yeah that's the point is they're they're just control freaks and super cops and we don't get to elect them so you know it's it's all it's all insane and then whenever they do something wrong well qualified immunity so you know nothing bad happens to them like would happen to a regular citizen but first i want to talk about this article from zero hedge it's also about the fbi it's about the FBI lying, and I doubt anything bad will come to them for lying to the public. It's called, Surprise, the FBI Lied About White Supremacist Memo Targeting Catholics, New Document Reveals. It says, Thanks to a less redacted inter- internal FBI document released Wednesday by the House Judiciary Committee. Sorry, I don't think that was beginning. It started above a picture. So when the FBI was... Busted targeting Catholics in a now retracted leaked document, which said Roman Catholics were, quote, at risk of committing acts of extremist violence, unquote. The agency downplayed it as the work of a rogue field office. Now, thanks to a less redacted internal FBI document released Wednesday by the House Judiciary Committee, we learned that the effort was far more widespread than the agency acknowledged. So basically, in February, I think it was, a letter or a memo, internal memo from the FBI was leaked, and it was saying, oh, watch out for Roman Catholics, because they're more likely to cause extremist violence, I think it said. Why Catholics, though? Why not uh, Why not evangelical Christians, or why not... Um libertarians or why not democrats or progressives why is it catholics yeah it does feel pretty random and based on the catholics that i know personally 
I don't like they don't really they aren't any more um like likely to be violent than any other religion or sect of people. If anything, um, I would call them pretty tame. Yeah, yeah and, and you know what? Uh, a big part of Catholicism, and I'm talking about the people who are hardcore Catholics and they're really uh, living the entire lifestyle. They typically don't vaccinate. They, you know, limit ex- like their children's exposure to hospitals and, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. Well, careful. They, you're making them sound like extremists I know. to me. Well, and they typically homeschool. So, like, that's the thing. Like, they might be seen as extremists or, you know, like, not the average citizen that, you know, the government wants to exist, right? Like, they're not necessarily anti-state, but they're just living their own life, you know, as right. as that, they believe, you know, in the eyes of God. Yeah, and that makes them easy targets for people who say, oh, these people are extreme. We need to forcibly make sure that they're complying with all of society we don't want these kind of people in society, and yet we have Amish in society. We have, you know, yeah. people who choose not to participate in society in various ways. And yet, are they being harassed by the government? And I, I think it can, I don't, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but typically people who have a very strong faith or, uh, you know, very religious people, they tend to, you know, like they're going to do they're going to follow the Bible before they're going to follow the state, right? Like ultimately, right. like people who are very, very heavily religious, heavy believers, they are not, you know, they're going to choose God before they choose the president or the government or the state. I could probably talk about this tonight, too. I went to trial on Monday and I won. I took my parking ticket to trial that I, well, the parking ticket was placed on a vehicle in January and I've had like two hearings in between then. It kept getting pushed back. I just had a trial August. That's how slow the wheels of justice turn. Yeah, they turn really, really slow in America. But basically the judge threw it out and we could talk about it um, because I motioned for it to get dismissed and he agreed with my motion. And it was great. But anyways, I wasn't was- it just like a $15 parking ticket? Oh, yeah, it was only a Wouldn't $15. Wouldn't it be better to just knuckle down and pay the 15 bucks and have the state stop harassing you? Well, see, I don't agree. I think that more people should just take their parking tickets to trial, especially if they have time. I guess I understand if it's like, I'm going to lose $180 an hour if I don't go to work. Like, I don't yeah. really. Well, that that would be crazy. So, you know, if you're making $180 an hour, you could probably have, like, t- you know, how you probably like make your own hours and everything. Anyways, um, I just think that if people took all their parking tickets to trial and made them make you, like as another thing Ernie Hancock says, made the government make you pay the parking ticket, um, it would clog up the system so fast and waste their resources way more than if everyone just paid the tickets in the first place. Yeah, and I think people people pay the tickets because they see this institution as legitimate and, well, I committed an infraction against the institution and i gotta pay the to pay the costs or whatever and it's like a religion it's like oh well i sinned against this deity calling itself government and i gotta pay the price it's great because i put in a motion to dismiss before the trial like a week before asking them to dismiss the judge asking him to dismiss it on the basis that they never put in any evidence that i fell under the jurisdiction of the city of Keene or their laws and he, at the beginning of my trial, he said, 
I'm going to defer. Just I'm going to wait to roll on that. And we're going to continue with the trial. And as the trial went on, I made another motion to dismiss because he never put in any evidence to prove that I drove the car or that I was there or that the meter was actually expired. And he dismissed on that case. So he never had to say he never had to give an answer about my other motion to dismiss, because what's he going to say to that? Other than yeah. you're you're under our rules because we say so. Yeah, you're under yeah. our rules because you're occupying the geographical polygonal land we call the city of Keene. Yeah. yeah. Um. Tip and typically, especially when it comes to stuff like traffic, you know, traffic violations, those are pretty. It's pretty low hanging fruit to win in court. Of course, a lot of people, you know, fight it and maybe they don't win. But I've had pretty good success fighting, particularly speeding tickets. Hmm. I apparently have a little bit of a lead foot or maybe I just don't respect the 55 mile per hour you know speed limit where I don't feel like it makes sense and I feel like I can safely drive faster so I've gotten probably upwards of 10 speeding tickets since I've gotten my license well I have won every single one of them nice I recently got one on my way to a prenatal appointment <laughs> and um so this was my first one that I've actually gotten in New Hampshire. So we'll see. It was in Hillsboro. Hmm. So I guess I'll take that one to trial. I, I mailed in my thing. So just mailed waiting. In, like, um, the like, ticket. Okay. And yeah. you just wrote that you're intending to. Yeah, there's um there's directions on the back of it. And you it's a little bit different than Massachusetts because in Massachusetts, they want you to mail a check as well, a $50 check to fight it. Uh, but this one specifically said on the back do not mail money Hmm. so i just checked off that i am pleading innocent or not guilty whatever and i mailed it to concord yeah so we'll see let us know whenever if you have a trial i'd like to attend the document defined radical traditionalist catholics as those who attend latin mass and according to the fbi adhere to anti-semitic anti-immigrant anti-lgbtq and white supremacist ideology Honestly, I'm not going to lie. How is this any different from being anti-Semitic themselves? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like anti-Semitic is, you know, referring to Jewish people. But it really sounds like this is discriminatory against, you know, a group of people. It does. And, you know, we know what happens when this happens in history. We've, We've seen the Holocaust. We know the results of that. And why are we allowing the the biggest most tyrannical government and their police arm to tar- target another group of people. I don't think that it should be happening. I think that the government, sh- I mean, the FBI should be disbanded. No one ever elected them, and they don't seem to do a very good job. They're definitely not transparent, as this article points out. Well, they're also a political weapon, so there's that, too. Yep, without them, how would people be able to go after their political enemies? You're right. The document defined, oh, I already put that. Well, well, you said, Nikki, how is it any different than anti-Semitics? It's funny because the word Semitic, I've heard, actually has to do with people from, like, the land known as Israel. Okay. But people use it all the time to talk about people being against that religion. Like, you can say... Yeah, it basically, like, means you're a Nazi. Like, that's how people use it. Yeah. You can say... Listen, I have nothing against like people being ethnically Jewish. I just don't agree with the religion. And you'll still get called anti-Semitic. And that's what I don't yeah. understand. Um, and it's interesting because it's like you can talk badly about any other religion. But the second you say something bad about Ju- like 
Judaism, then it's, you know, then you're you're racist, you're anti-Semitic and all this stuff. And like, don't get me wrong, I I don't like to make a habit personally of trash talking other people's beliefs and religion. Like I think people should be able to believe in yes, whatever they want to I believe agree. in. Yeah. I absolutely and, agree. And you know, worship the way that they like to as long as it's not hurting other people. Um but it's just a, definitely a double standard. Right. But it's really funny that in this one document, they're defining people who are radical traditionalist Catholics as people who attend Latin Mass. Like, And then in the same article, they're talking about how bad it is to be anti-Semitic. You're right. There is no difference. And it's really a double standard. It is. It's a double standard. And, you know, the government is great at doing double standards. So based on what the... Wall Street Journal editorial board called half-baked open source reporting from liberal news outlets to justify their investigation. That That's why they, um, I, I don't understand what that was supposed to mean. So the FBI headquarters quickly said the report didn't meet its exacting standards and has been withdrawn. FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was there at the Waco uh, fire bombings and he stood in front of a pile of corpses with like a smile on his face holding some kind of a trophy christopher ray the fbi director that's a little creepy he told the judiciary committee in july that the report was a single product by a single field office he added that as soon as i found out about it i was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from fbi systems <laughs> and i wonder if he's just making a pr move right there oh he definitely is because apparently he's lying and it says, and he said he began an internal probe. On July 25th, the FBI finally provided the committee with a less redacted version of that Richmond document. The report says that its information on Catholics was primarily derived from an FBI Richmond contact, an FBI Portland liaison contact who informed on a subject who gravitated to traditionalist Catholicism and an FBI undercover employee who reported on a subject who attended a Catholic church in California. The FBI's Los Angeles field office, meanwhile, initiated an investigation into one subject while the Richmond office coordinated with the agency's Portland office to, pre- to prepare the field report. And we have another article here about the FBI from Reason Magazine. It's reason.com, talking about how qualified immunity may shield the FBI agents who abuse the no-fly list. Now, for listeners who don't know, the no-fly list is a list of people that the government, the so-called government, has put together to say who can fly and who can't fly. So if you're on the no-fly list, and there are people who have been uh, purposely or accidentally put on the no-fly list for whatever reason and not allowed to fly without due process, without being able to you know, face their accuser. And this is an abuse of government power. This is put in, I need to remind people, this is put in during a Republican administration. This is put in for the conservatives listening out there. This is put in under your favorite president, George W. Bush. It was part of the Patriot Act, correct? Absolutely. It was part of the so-called Patriot Act. It was a definite abuse of power. I remember in 2004, for when I was out of high school talking about things like this and being really upset that these things are happening. And, you know, it just seems like people ignore the Patriot Act, but, you know, the Patriot Act still exists and the government still has its power, but no one seems to really care anymore. 
I like that you're pointing out that the no-fly list itself is an abuse of power. Absolutely. It's a abuse of the, at least the Fourth Amendment, because the Fourth Amendment is when you kind of reference there, um, where you have the right to not be a part of sweeping searches and seizures, or it, it's a due process. The Fourth Amendment is about due process. Basically, you can't just... Unreasonable searches and seizures, yes. Yep, and, and just due process in general, like common law, you shouldn't be punished before being found guilty in front of a trial. Like, the people who are on the no-fly list, a lot of them have no—they they found out they couldn't fly, and then they're like, wait, why? They have no idea yeah. why. a lot of the times you find out when you're at the airport trying to board the plane. Yep. Imagine, that- imagine that you're getting ready to go see your, your loved ones, your family or your friends or your significant other, and all of a sudden— the TSA, uh, the TSA says, uh, we have you on this no-fly list. You can't fly. And sometimes, I, and you know, Riley, you touched upon it earlier. Sometimes it's just a seemingly by mistake. My aunt and my cousin got put on the no-fly list. And you might, you know, some of the listeners might be thinking like, oh, well, they're related to Nikki. So maybe they, you know, <laughs> were doing something crazy, doing some activism, whatever. No, not at all. Like, not these kind of people this was like probably like 10, 15 years ago. They really, the only time they flied was to come, you know, back up here to visit family and then they'd go back down south to go home. Like that was the only, they didn't really, you know, fly frequently. And it was just completely random. My aunt and my cousin and then my other two cousins weren't on the no fly list. Huh. So then they were kind of like, well, we have these plane tickets and like we're supposed to go up to, you know, up north to see our family. <laughs> like, what do you expect us to do? I do believe it got resolved, but it's still a huge pain in the butt for oh, yeah. people who didn't do anything wrong and to just put somebody on a no-fly list for, you know, no reason with no due process. It's just, I it's hard to believe that that is you know, happening Nikki, still. Nikki, your story illustrates the point that the American people still are unaware that this is happening in America and this abuse of power is still happening in America, and yet no one is screaming about it. Yeah. Yeah. No one's one's storming into the White House, dragging out Biden and saying, dude, what are you doing in America? What are you doing in your so-called office of power? You're not saving America. You're not giving anybody any more freedom. You're destroying you're destroying people's liberties. And this has happened under Bush. It's happened under Obama. It's happened under Trump. These people aren't here to save you. They're here to keep the power perpetually going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't even know about stuff like this or don't care about stuff like this until it happens to them or someone close to them. Right. Right. I agree because I was actually going to ask you guys if you've ever met or or if you know of anyone in real life who was put on the no-fly list at all because I never have. Um, Just my aunt. And they were taken off and it was, it seemed like, I don't know how it happened. It just seemed like they kind of had a common last name. So I don't know if it was something like that, but, you know, it was resolved. But I don't know anyone personally who, like, actually cannot fly still to this day. Yeah, I don't know anyone personally either, but I've heard stories. Sarah, you're in New Mexico. What's on your mind, Sarah? Oh, yes. Speaking of government regulating um, um, the airways, but, you know, the, they have self-driving taxis now in San Francisco and Atlanta. So, you know, and then there's another city, they have self-driving taxis. 
So the whole point is that a lot of people are afraid of they're going to lose their jobs. So what? I mean, when that, I mean, people are, people will lose their jobs, but you know, the nice thing is that they'll find other jobs and jobs are not, jobs are not finite. We can always find new jobs for people, whether it's, you know, running the taxi service and making sure all the taxis are getting to the right place by computer or, you know, making sure all the taxi cabs are charged. There are people that will find jobs for themselves. And making sure the economy keeps running. Yeah, so that's not necessarily my issue with stuff like this. I get really, like, I'm real weary of the self-driving cars. And I I just don't feel like, I, I wouldn't get into one of them. And I don't necessarily feel safe being on the road. I mean, you know, you'll have people that are impaired or people that are bad at driving. So, like, either way, there is a risk there, but... I just don't, it just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. So for me, the the big concern about self-driving vehicles, if I were to ever own one, which I'd love to, the big concern is who's, who can access the computer and hack it and send me off the road somewhere else. Yeah. I'm also very uh, basic when it comes to my machinery. So I like to buy old cars, old motorcycles. I want to be able to work on it myself if it breaks down on the side of the road, I want to be able to look up a YouTube video on it and fix it myself. You can't do that with these new cars with all of their computers and, you know, like there's tracking tracking devices and that's not even a conspiracy theory. Like that's true. Like all the GPS stuff in your car that is technically a tracking device. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm just not a fan of if it that was are less in new cars. Regulated, it would be possible for a self-driving computer, electric car, any of those things to be open source so that way like someone like Riley who can't see so he can't drive would be able to get a self-driving car and not worry about you know the government being like you know what we're just gonna drive you into off a cliff or something like that sure yeah. and or or if I knew programming enough I could look at the how the car was programmed to say okay this this particular line of code is a little concerning to me how do I fix it yep or just choose to go with a different one that their coding is better something like that but the thing about it is it's so regulated and uh, they give companies the ability to well I, I do think companies should be allowed to use closed source software or is that what the word is closed source well not open source software if they want but you could also choose you know what I'm not going to go with that company because they don't use open source software and I can't see their code I'm going to go with this company but there's just so many regulations that there the market isn't open enough for just anyone to get in and start a car company well sarah what's your problem with the self-driving cars uh you know the only problem i have is that you know new mexico we're going to be the very last state again we're going to be like the very last one to adapt self-driving taxi that's what's upsetting me why can't be one of the top three cities that have these? Because nobody could drive here, and everybody drives drunk. I don't care about all this, um, you know, software um, and computer glitches and stuff like that. I'd rather die from that rather than get killed by a drunk driver. Or oh, what's the difference? So if you're dead, you're dead. About. What would the difference be? Well, the. The thing about it is I'm tired of getting killed by uh, drivers that are talking and texting and speeding but and all Sarah, that stuff. But Sarah, you You're haven't alive. been killed by any of these people. 
Yeah, but you know what? I mean, getting killed by a computer mistake would be a better option <laughs> than running for my life from all these people blowing right through the middle of the roundabout. See, you know? this is where I would disagree with you, Sarah. I, I, I think either option is horrible. Like, I'm not interested in either option, but at the same time, you know, someone behind the wheel might have a little more control over a vehicle than a computer glitch. From day one, placement on the list has been misused to punish innocent people who won't do what federal agents command. Now, FBI agents caught abusing the system want qualified immunity to shield them from consequences as people they mistreated seek justice through the courts. Following the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack, attacks, FBI agents unsuccessfully attempted to pressure a group of innocent Muslims, including Muhammad Tanvir, to become informants for the Bureau, notes the Institute for Justice, which is a really good group, which filed an amicus brief in Tamir versus Tanzin, Tim, or Tanvir. So Tanvir and the others who were all either American citizens or lawful permanent residents declined to become informants. Nice. Because doing so goes against their sincerely held religious beliefs. FBI agents then harassed the group and placed them all on the no-fly list hmm. for not wanting to become informants. That is not how that is yeah, supposed that's to not work. How it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be for terrorists who are supposedly committing acts of violence or preparing to commit acts, not for people who are just saying, "Hey, I don't want to be an informant for you." Yeah, but it sounds like they're using it to retaliate against these people, and that's absolutely terrible. And apparently now they're asking for the the idea, I mean, the defense of qualified immunity to protect them against getting in trouble for that abuse. That's really messed up. It says the Center for Constitutional Rights acts as co-counsels for the plaintiffs alongside the CUNY School of Laws Clear Clinic. They sued under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act on the grounds that the plaintiff's Muslim faith forbids them to inform on co-religionists. The defendants, FBI agents who put Tanvir and the other plaintiffs on the no-fly list, protested that the RFRA, the um, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, doesn't provide for monetary damages against government officials who violate rights but the U.S. Supreme Court ruled otherwise in an important 2020 decision written by Justice Clarence Thomas. The next question is whether the law shields federal employees from consequences. After the Supreme Court ruled that the agents could be individually sued, the U.S. Department of Justice argued the agents are entitled to qualified immunity because it wasn't clearly established that their conduct imposes a substantial burden on the plaintiff's rights. It's an illustration of a serious problem with the law. Uh, I'm having a little trouble understanding what their argument is. They're saying that they're entitled to qualified immunity because it wasn't clearly established that their conduct imposes a substantial burden on the plaintiff's rights. No, that is ridiculous. Yeah. So they're saying like, oh, well, we didn't, you know, like hurt them bad enough. So Mm -hmm. we should be covered. Like that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, like, anything you do to someone that goes against their rights, I would think would be punishable. And to me, like, even... 
I don't really believe that qualified immunity should be a thing at all, but typically the argument for it is, okay, well, you know, police officers, maybe they have this really difficult job, maybe it's dangerous, and um, like the qualified immunity is allegedly supposed to help them do their jobs so they don't have to fear like, oh, if this person's attacking me and I shoot them and I kill them, like I don't, they don't have to worry about the ramifications of that because it was... You know, it could be proven like that was uh, necessary to do their job and keep everybody safe, whatever. How does that like to me, that's the only way that would make sense to rationalize why there should be qualified immunity for cases like that. So why should they be like, oh, well, you know, we really didn't harm this person that much. So we should be covered under qualified immunity. Like that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. It's like, you know, you're preventing people from traveling without them being notified and being able to make other arrangements. And so you're basically curtailing someone's ability to live life. Yeah. And it was, it was really unnecessary for them to essentially blackmail. I mean, it's blackmail. That's what it is. And that's the thing. It didn't, it didn't save the FBI agents from being harmed or anything like that. All it did was it was retaliation. They did it because they could. They were pissed off that these people um, weren't, you know, following what they, they, they're used to people being submissive and doing whatever they tell them to, right? Like they, they're used to getting their way. And I think sometimes when these cops don't get their way, they do different things to punish people for that. Whether it is or isn't, you know, within their, I was going to say scope of practice, that's more like a medical thing, but like within their rights to do so or like within their job description, they just kind of do whatever they want. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Unfortunately, in February of this year, the U.S. District Judge Ronnie Abrams agreed with the government. Oh, so this is already over. That really sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Quote, the court therefore construes the right presented by plaintiffs' claims here as the right not to be pressured by law enforcement to inform on members of their religious communities through the coercive retaliatory use of the no-fly list. I'm confused. I'm a little confused. The court construes the right presented by plaintiffs' claim here as the right not to be pressured by law enforcement to inform on members of their religious communities through the coercive retaliatory use of the no-fly list. The court concludes that such a right was not clearly established at the time of the alleged violations. I mean, Hmm. wow. That is interesting. It's really messed up says, how are federal agents supposed to know that arbitrarily sticking people who defy them on terrorism watch lists is wrong? After, <laughs> after all, it's just how they get things done. Right. That's how the thugs get things done in Washington. The thing about it is law has nothing to do with morality. It doesn't matter if something is inherently wrong and obvious and any 
rational person would know it was wrong. It doesn't matter. The cops can get away with it if they, you know, it's not written down in a book somewhere that's clearly established law. I think it's time for secession, really. I mean, I I love bringing this topic up because secession is fascinating to me. I think it's time to break away from the federal government. I think it's time we divorce D.C. as much as possible and govern ourselves as much as possible. Yeah, it seems to me that the federal goons are way worse about trampling on people's rights than even the ones in your own hometown because of the fact that they're less um, responsive, they're further away, they have way more sweeping powers, and I agree with Riley that we should just break away from D.C. altogether. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, the United States is so big. We have 50 states, and a lot of these states are so different. Like, you can't tell me that New Hampshire is anywhere close to similar to California or, or Hawaii, or you Hawaii. know? Yeah or, yeah, or or Washington or Utah or Arizona. I mean, we're very different up here. And when you think of, like, a, a continent like Europe, I mean, the countries are the size of our states, right? So it's it's just impossible to have this many people that are geographically so far away and be able to create a government that is going to work for everybody. Like, it, it's just impossible. And I think if we broke up more and, like, it's just, I, I think it would be a lot better for everyone involved. But, Nikki, the 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 people might say that if we break up America, we'll, we'll all be at war, we won't get along, and yet, at the same time, you know... Whether we become separate countries or not shouldn't have any bearing on whether we get along. Because if you're saying that all of a sudden if New Hampshire breaks away from the United States, and I'm a proponent of this, and I'm promoting it on a shirt I'm wearing tonight. If New Hampshire breaks away from the United States and you say, oh, we can't get along with people from New Hampshire anymore, that says a lot more about you than it does us. And I I think um, people's big concern with that is the retaliation of the federal government if we were to secede. And it's like, oh, well, the U.S. is going to declare war on New Hampshire now. Um, I just believe that there would be a way to do it in a peaceful manner where it wouldn't be like, we're going to have a civil war over this. Because I do not think that that is the answer. I don't think so either. I don't think it's a healthy answer. And if D.C. comes after you, it just speaks to the abuse of power of D.C. It, it and how is it? Di- I mean, it makes it, it the point that we should secede if people yeah. are afraid of violence just because we want to not be under their control anymore. Yeah. And how is it any different from what's already going on now? You know, like we're already being attacked by the state and by the federal government. Yep. So how is it? How is it going to be different? And if you're personally attacked by them, well... They have qualified immunity, according to this judge, and can't, and they, you know, they won't be treated as though they trampled on your rights. So, I just see no real reason to keep them around. I, I mean, I basically, throughout my day-to-day life, I try not to even think about them. They're all the way in Washington D.C., nowhere near here. You know, like a thousand miles away. Well, I don't know if it's a thousand, but whatever, a lot of miles away. They shouldn't have any bearing on my life, and then yet. Once in a while they do, like they come and they raid your house or they try to get you to be an informant against your friends. Or take your dog from you for a while without you knowing about it. This is Tony from Chattanooga. I have a question. When you secede from the U.S. government, does that mean 
that you don't take any of the government's help. You're just in New Hampshire all by yourself. I mean, yeah, yeah, but but honestly, New Hampshire is a state that we actually give more to the federal government, financially speaking, than we receive. So essentially, you know, because of all of these other states who aren't contributing as much as, say, New Hampshire is. Um, so we're actually operating at a loss, and I think financially we'd be a lot better off if we didn't have to deal with the federal government. Plus, plus, the federal government takes taxes from you, and so when you break away from, when you secede from the federal government, you don't have to pay those taxes anymore. Yeah, Tony. Um, okay. So what do you think about that? I think lots of people are getting things like Social Security from the uh, federal government, obviously, but I think overall people would be saving a lot more money if we weren't paying these taxes. Well, and you know what else? Someone explained to me, and you know, forgive me, I'm not going to be able to explain to you how this is possible, but I have heard from someone else before that there would be a way for people, like if they paid into Social Security or whatever, um, that there would be a way for them to continue to collect that. Honestly, to me, like that wouldn't make sense that that's a possibility. Oh, wait, it, it, it does. I forgot. That's one thing that yeah. it would happen because people who leave the country and go live in like Germany, they still collect on Social Security, Medicare, whatever they pay okay, into. Okay, so I guess that does make sense then. It would just be new people, like people not yet born wouldn't get it, but they also didn't yeah. pay in, so who cares? I mean, my but- kids wouldn't anyways because I'm not going to like register them and give them a slave card. I mean, a nice. Social Security card. So they're not going to qualify for any of that anyways. So like, I don't care so about that. The other thing, too, is, you know, if people want to have these services, maybe New Hampshire being a smaller government could provide them. But I'm not a fan of government services myself. It could be voluntary. Yeah. Even. I mean, such services could still exist. What, do you have any questions, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to know that if you secede from the U.S. government, that means you're not a part of the United States anymore. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So now when you do that, you do understand that no roads, no electricity, no nothing. Wow. And you have got to sit there and worry while you're trying to figure out how to come so up with electricity. So why, why, would, why would we suddenly lose electricity and, and roads? That. You better understand. Tony, can you answer the question? Russia can you answer his question, Tony? Riley asked you, why would we? Why would electricity and roads suddenly disappear if we seceded from the union? You're not a part of the United States. Yeah, but why would we lose our, power? Our electricity doesn't doesn't go as far as as Puerto Rico. Our electricity doesn't. Yeah, go Yeah, but as we're far not Puerto Rico. We're in New Hampshire. So I, I just want to be clear that They're the U.S. government isn't the only. You will have no electricity. No. no okay. Listen, you need to you need to stop with that. Can yeah. Okay. So. The U.S. government so isn't the only supplier of electricity in the entire world. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. There are other ways to get electricity. There are the electrical companies that are currently contracted with the U.S. government right now, and we would still more than likely be able to work with those companies. Um, but instead of us having to go through the state to get it, where essentially they have a monopoly over which electricity companies and utility companies we can work with there would be you know an open market where we could choose different providers so we would actually get cheaper electricity or because there would be competition own, in the market or we could have our own power cells in our own houses like yep. hydrogen fuel cells 
Yep, or um, solar power. Um, there's also typically the government to you know maintain the roads. Again, contracts with local companies. So instead of, we're essentially just cutting out the middleman. We're not paying, you know, the state government or the federal government anymore. We are, you know, either pooling our money together through some sort of voluntary tax or maybe having private streets or private roads. Like there are still people who know how to pave the road and know how to fill potholes and stuff like that. So it's kind of ridiculous to to act like, we are dependent on the federal government completely 100% for all of these things. It, it's really just cutting the middleman out and saving I, us a lot of money and a lot of headache. I actually believe it's the federal government's fault that we aren't able to open this second nuclear plant that was planned in New Hampshire. We already have one nuclear plant, which is a lot of, you know, the ability to pro- provide a lot of electricity. Um, and right now, I don't even believe that the Fed federal government provides those things at all it's the state government and if the federal or the state government is the one keeping us from opening this second nuclear energy plant well it's a lot easier to convince your state government of something that the people want than it is to convince you know entrenched far away uh federal people that we want to open the second plant if we needed more electricity this is from Reason.com. Alabama woman jailed for two months for using CBD oil while pregnant. Yes, that's right, folks. CBD oil? <laughs> CBD the oil, oil. does not get you high. Yeah. So for people <laughs> that don't know, uh, CBD is the property in marijuana that essentially, you know, just to simplify it, like that's where most of the healing properties come from. So it's basically like all of the the healing, calming, relaxing properties Without really being mind-altering, I think at the very most it would maybe make you tired. Um, But it's not like the THC, which is the part of the... The psychoactive. Yeah, it's the psychoactive part of the marijuana plant. So these, these moms weren't even getting high. They were just trying to use it maybe for anxiety, maybe for depression. You know, there's there's a bunch of medicinal purposes for CBD. Um... And I, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think using CBD would be better than being on antidepressants while you're pregnant. Right. I, I would mean, agree with that. You know, I think CBD would be far better than, I mean, it comes from a plant. For I mean, CBD sake. doesn't have side effects up to and including death. Yeah. And it's, you know, really with a lot of doctors in a lot of states, there just hasn't been enough research done, um, particularly with CBD and marijuana use in pregnancy. And and the reason why there's not a lot of research is because they find it unethical to have women doing this, which really women are already doing this. You just need to study and see what the end results are. Um, And I have had experience kind of conducting my own research studies, not really, just very passively, just observing. Um, And it seems to not really harm infants. You know, I can't tell you detailed long-term effects of IQ, health, anything like that. But it, it just, you know, I can tell you a lot of these antidepressants that are being approved for pregnancy absolutely um, have lasting effects. And I think they, I would just speculate that they're a lot worse if um, than CBD. If I had to go back in utero and I had to choose between my mom being on antidepressants or CBD, I would choose CBD very quickly yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, so in Etowah County, Alabama, 
has charged hundreds of pregnant women and new mothers with chemical endangerment over minor drug offenses. In one Alabama county, women who admit to using marijuana during pregnancy often find themselves charged with a felony. Etowah County in northeastern Alabama charges more women with chemical endangerment than any other county in the state. Until recently, these women were often only granted release from jail on the condition that they either enter rehab, yes, that's right, rehab for marijuana, despite not being addicted to drugs. (laughs) In 2006, Alabama enacted a chemical endangerment law designed to punish parents who allow their children near meth labs. All right, I mean, maybe I can get down with that. However... In the years since the law's passage, Etowah County law enforcement officials have used it to throw women in jail for months over minor drug offenses. And that just puts on display all the problems with laws in general. Like, even if there's a law you think, you know, that's actually a pretty good law. We don't want kids messing around with meth labs. Well, look at this. Now it's being used against moms who use CBD while pregnant. What's worse for a kid? To have their mom use CBD or to have their mom taken away from them for two months. Yeah, and I mean... Um, yeah, having the, having the mom taken away for two months is far worse than the mom using CBD. Absolutely. And, and also, I mean, prenatal depression and anxiety and postpartum and uh, depression and anxiety, like those are very real things. There's a lot of, uh, you know, hormone fluxes during this period and... I just think it's like if, if a woman is using CBD oil, um, which is, you know, based on the research we have so far, pretty much harmless. And some doctors would even recommend women take CBD oil in pregnancy. You know, so something as benign as a CBD oil or even THC or marijuana. I mean, if that helps someone not go into postpartum psychosis and murder their children, mm-hmm. like I would want them to have access to that. Um, and just the fact that they're being imprisoned for smoking weed, even if it is while they're they're pregnant or whatever, I just like like you guys both said, it is way worse to have to lose your parent for several months than to be exposed to a little bit of marijuana in utero. Do you do you know does it say if this mom went to jail for two months before or after the baby was born? I, it seems like it was after, but um, I can continue and see if we get any more details here. So uh, women who aren't even addicted to drugs have often found themselves trapped in jail, unable to be released until they go to rehab, yet denied entry by drug treatment facilities because of their lack of addictions. Hmm. Um, oh, wow. So I have a little bit of experience with this, and I will let you know, like, if someone came to rehab <laughs> or the hospital... Because they were using marijuana, they would probably get laughed at because especially nowadays where it's legal in most states or at least, you know, it's very casual and not really enforced. I mean, no, no drug detox is going to you don't detox off of marijuana. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it seems like it would be taking beds away from people who really need it. I honestly didn't know that CBD will make you. Um, I'm going to be honest. Test. I really don't think it will. Hmm. Um, because they're testing for THC, so I, it it maybe is a possibility that whatever CBD oil she had would have a uh, slight amounts of THC in it. 
I don't think I think you'd have to be taking a lot for it to show up on a drug test. Um, so I think maybe she might have been. I don't want to accuse her of lying, but my point is, even if she was, she still didn't deserve to go to jail and have to go to rehab and lie about her substance use history. Right. Like now it's on record that she's saying, yeah, I'm shooting up and doing all of this other things. Yeah. And like just Alabama because she CPS was, yes, yeah, use that against her. Exactly. Like she was just desperate and she was doing whatever she needed to do to get back to her child. Like she was, you know, in fight or flight mode, like trying to protect her child and herself. And like, it is just so so sad that people have to lie and be inauthentic and just get harassed by the state. I mean, it's just really sad for something as silly as smoking pot. And and that's a great example of somebody who is, uh, you know, they're a target of the parasite class. They, they've been abused. That's what I meant to say. They're an abused victim of the parasites calling themselves government. Um, it opens them up to more abuse. So, First, she got put into prison for uh, apparently having CBD in her system. And then she had to lie to the rehab in order to get into rehab because the government told her she needed to get into rehab to get out of jail. And then CPS comes. Oh, well, we have this on record now. You're going to be on this list or whatever. I mean, it can just keep going on and on from there. And most people don't understand that because they didn't get uh, they didn't become the victim of, you know, the cops even once so you know they just see this woman who well what why would you tell the why would you tell the uh rehab that if it wasn't true and then obviously if the cops are going after you this many times you must be guilty of something and oh you're on a list with cps you're just a bad parent you know they don't understand how these things can spiral down and ruin people's lives and it's really sad i don't think we need them at all because in a society where we didn't have people whose job it was to put people in jail and who made money off of putting people in jail, then I think most of us would agree that marijuana isn't something that is harming the child inside of a woman's body. Even actual THC, but definitely not CBD. I mean, I'd like to see more studies on that, but, you know, I definitely I definitely think that a woman should take responsibility for her child and decide what she wants to put in her body and be careful. And so that's it's not medical advice to say, hey, smoke some weed if, if you're pregnant. But, you know. And, you know, there is it is so complex, like prenatal nutrition. And, you know, because obviously like this is my field. So I, I do a lot of work with women who are trying to get pregnant um, you know, just detoxing their body and preparing themselves and making sure they're not malnourished, you know, like they're they're fueling their body with dense nutrients and that kind of carries in to pregnancy and then the postpartum period. So there are so many, you know, things that people don't even think about, like environmental toxins, you know, using plastic. Like there are so many little things that women have to be careful about, um, you know, pesticides on their food, like so many things. Um, And I just think that marijuana, to me personally, would be lower on the list. So there there are just a lot of things that we are exposed to that in some of them are out of our control that could possibly harm ourselves and our unborn children while they're in utero. Um, So I I don't know. It just it seems completely ridiculous to me because, like, we're not prosecuting women 
for eating processed foods like, you know, oh, your kid, you know, has all of these uh, health defects because you were a vegan while you were pregnant and you were malnourished. Or obese like those, people. Yeah, like those or, people aren't getting prosecuted. Or you're eating too many Doritos. You need to prosecute you. Yeah, like that's the thing. And it's like a lot of people might not believe in this and maybe doctors don't even back it up. But like what you are consuming while you're pregnant, like all of that really does affect your kid. So I kind of touched upon like right at the end of the segment about um, some of the possible risks of being malnourished or specifically the risks of eating a vegan diet while well being pregnant. Mm-hmm. I just want to um, provide a book for any of the listeners who would like to hear more information about that. There's a book called Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. She is like a holistic nutritionist, basically. Um, and she it is a excellent book. It is really it is actually one of the books that caused me to stop being a vegan mm-hmm. um, because I never really knew about some of the essential nutrients like choline that you can't really get from other like plant based sources or how like, you know, plant based iron is actually really hard for your body to convert and absorb. So like there these were things I didn't really know about. And I really enjoy her book. Because she cites um, a lot of like real case studies and research studies, Cochrane Reviews, that's what it's called, Cochrane Reviews, where they take a bunch of different studies about the same thing and kind of analyze all of them. And it's just a really good way to get more credible statistics and information. So I really enjoyed that book. It's Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Um, I think honestly, like anyone could benefit from the book. Yeah, I'm I, I would love it. to hear, you know, it, obviously it's more geared for like fertility and pregnancy and like women specific, but at least like the first few chapters just goes over nutrition in general. And I would love to find a comparable book that is just about nutrition in general. I'm sure there is one. Um, it, it's kind of like these, it, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. I've seen a lot of it more recently, but it's it's people speaking out about the the health guidelines that the government is or the what is the USDA. You know, they're saying like things like, oh, seed oils are healthy and, you know, you should than butter. Butter is terrible. For yeah. You. Like babies, babies should be eating cereal. Oh, my goodness. Please do not give your baby cereal when they're six months old. They cannot digest that and they can't process that. And it actually does give them food allergies and sensitivities or the fact that like the majority of our diet is supposed to be carbohydrates and like other processed foods. You know, there are like so many things like this that are becoming disproven. And it's just so refreshing to read a book that has like actual scientific evidence to back it up. Um, I'd say a great one, not having read the book you're talking about, but a great one that's about um, nutrition in general that taught me so much, uh, especially about how the USDA just puts these things out based on faulty science and how there is now much better science to go off of to show that like, oh, actually, butter is a lot better for you than margarine made out of soy oil Um, is Deep Nutrition by Kate. um, Well, it's Dr. Kate. Uh, If you type in Deep Nutrition, Kate, it'll pop up. I forgot her name. Buchanan. Dr. Kate Buchanan. That one is great. It actually has some whole chapters that I found just as interesting, even though I'm never going to have a baby about nutrition during pregnancy as well. I didn't know until I read this book about just how much it takes out of your body to have a baby. Like 
even just the fact that like if you're gonna have another baby after you just had one like you need to give yourself some time to re-up on nutrients oh, because yeah. it takes so much out of your body your i second imagine baby. so i mean you're raising another human right growing one and even breastfeeding i mm-hmm. mean like just having to create breast milk i mean it, it takes a lot like you need to drink more water and a lot of the times like if you are if you don't have an abundance of a lot of these nutrients it'll actually be stripped from your own body so that's why we see a lot of women postpartum who lose their hair they look really pale like they just overall look really sick because they're not eating enough. And I think women don't realize how much more you have to eat while you're breastfeeding and while you're healing just from being pregnant and giving birth, you know, I, and all the blood you lose. I mean, yeah, like it, red meat and and especially beef liver, like things like that, like really rich, nutrient dense foods are so important for everybody and especially pregnant women that are healing from childbirth. And I think it's really sad because like, Basically, I think that like Instagram and things like that basically propagandize women to be mal- malnourished. Like mm-hmm. I accidentally came across a lot of information that made me stop thinking meat is just bad for you. Um, and when I first saw it, I was like so skeptical. I was like, what's up with these cringy girls called the strong sisters on Instagram? Like they run a farm and they talk about how good meat is for you. And I was like, ew, what What am I even looking at? And I like kept watching their videos like to cringe. And then I was like, wow, I kind of am like learning a lot of stuff. And, and I found out about all the good things, that, like the things that you can't get from a plant-based diet that you can get yeah. from like red meat. Like I think it's K2 is a vitamin that it has two different forms. And yeah, you can get one form from it from plant of it from plants but the more bioavailable form you can only get from yeah um meat and another one um vitamin a which retinol so you can get beta carotene from plants but your body doesn't absorb it and process Mm. like it's not the full form of vitamin a and there there are so many things like that and I, i guess just to really quickly give some of my background i was a vegetarian since i was eight years old um, vegan for like on and off for like 15, 16, 17 years. And it was just recently when I started studying midwifery, started becoming a fertility coach. Uh, and I like, don't get me wrong. Like I was heavily bought into the vegan propaganda and I really did not want to believe, I mean, I had been a vegan for, or vegetarian at least for so long. Like I did not want to believe this is true, but I also, you know, didn't want to be so naive to believe that I'm like all knowing. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com.